Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jeff. I'm the lead pastor here at the Vineyard Church, and today is an exciting day for us at Vineyard Church of the Rockies because it's the day that we're gathering our one-day offerings to give to Convoy and partner with them in feeding the hungry all over the world. If you've been with us for the last week or so, we've been talking about this one-day offering where basically we're encouraging you to take your yearly wage, divide it by, I think it's about 260 workdays in a year to come up with your one day's wage. And we're asking you to give your one day's wage to Convoy's, Convoy of Hope's feeding, uh, feeding program so that we can partner with them in feeding the hungry all over the world. Your one day, as they say, changes and transforms they're every day. This is a thrilling organization to be partnered with. In just a moment, you're going to hear from my wife, Natalie, and, and Julio, who just got back from a trip to El Salvador with a team of 11 others who took a trip. Actually, if, uh, if you are part of that team, can you stand right now, actually, where you're sitting? And we just want to honor you as well as Natalie and Julio. I'll call you out by name if I have to. Awesome. Thank you. Let's honor them. We had... Apparently, most in first service. So, no, we had a whole team go down to El Salvador and really get a firsthand experience of where our dollars are going, where our offering um, is making a difference, making an impact. And so, very shortly, you'll hear some of those stories from Natalie and Julio. And I just want to say, I'm so thankful for your generosity. Uh, I'm so thankful for the way that you have decided to sacrifice your own income and your own uh, wages to help feed the poor around the world. This is a just and worthy cause to fight for. No child should have to wonder if they're going to make it through another day uh, on an empty stomach. And so by us collectively gathering our own finances and sacrificially giving them to one day, we're able to make a difference all over the world. And I'm very, very thankful to be part of a generous and just-oriented and cause-oriented church like this one. So thank you for participating in that. Like I said, we had 11 different folks go down to El Salvador. Uh, my wife, Natalie, led that trip. Julio is on our board, been serving in this church for a number of years, also went on that trip. And so we want to take some time this morning and, and not only hear from them about what they experienced and where they see our dollars going and impacting the world, but also drawing some points of contact and how what they experience can actually impact our daily lives. Lives and, and be applied to our daily lives here locally as well. So let's just kind of open up. I'd love to hear from both of you. Natalie, we can start with you and then, and then Julio. I'd love to just hear from you guys, maybe one key takeaway, one big thing that God was kind of speaking to you about or that you experienced on this trip to El Salvador. Sure. Yeah, it, it was, there's thousands of stories, but we'll try and keep it short for you guys. We could talk all day. If our whole team was here, we'd be chatting and chatting and chatting and chatting. Um, but it was, a, it was an incredible experience to actually see what Convoy of Hope was doing um, firsthand. So we started our journey. We, Saturday morning, we got up real early, headed out, and arrived at our destination, um, like, 10.30 p.m. on a Saturday night, and we woke up on a Saturday, uh, Sunday morning ready to, ready to hit the ground running. Um, we went to the Convoy of Hope warehouse 
um, down in El Salvador and uh, got to see where all of the shipments of food come in and out and all of the, the trucks and everything come out of. And from there, we took our supplies for the week and we gathered groceries to serve. We started our, our time at a church, actually, just going to a service and handing out food to the elderly there, um, which was a great way to start our week. Um, when we were at the church, we got to sit in at a service, and uh, it was all in Spanish, and I don't know a lot of Spanish. <laughs> so that was very, it was very a great, great experience. Thank you, Julio, for <laughs> all of your assistance. Uh, we had good, tra- great translating on the trip, um, which made it very, very comfortable. Um, but while we were there, during the service, the worship really stood out to me. There was a song they started to play that I'd sung in high school that I recognized so I could sing it in Spanish and know what I was saying. And it hit me, like it was a very emotional experience. And it hit me that you are all here worshiping at the same exact time. There wasn't a time difference. And it just brought this like place that felt so far away to be very, very near. Like it was very possible to like really feel connected. And I think the world can seem really big, but that made it feel a lot smaller and a lot more, um, a lot more feasible to actually be like really engaged in this culture that seemed different, but I saw so many similarities. Um, so from that, worship became a theme for me actually throughout the, throughout the week that was pretty powerful. Um, one of our areas of service, we, we were at a school most of the week, a rural community school, and we did all sorts of things. But one of the things was uh, leading a vacation Bible school for the students kindergarten all the way up to ninth grade and we created a class for them on this you know kind of off the cuff like really had to create something for them that we wanted to really share with them um and so part of that was I I got to lead them in the chorus of all together todos juntos that's a song that we've been singing um here at the Vineyard that was written by our own Sarah Amano who's the youth director here at the church and it was it was very special to be able to like carry that piece of worship in. And there's not a lot of people that actually know that song. I don't know if you know that, but it was, it's a very, um, it's not recorded, but it's something that we sing here as an act of worship to really like thank Jesus for this community. And we got to see all the kids singing that at the school and teaching them that. And they got to know that's what we sing at our church. And it was like bridging the gap for me personally, language wise, like, oh, I know this, like that's something that I can engage with. So I actually do have a short clip of one of the classrooms singing this song. Um, one of the younger kids. Do you want to play that quick? you guys, I mean, you, you mentioned it, Natalie, but some of you probably don't realize that is an original song here. Matt has a, has a value and a heartbeat to write original songs and worship them within our own community. And so that song, Todos Juntos, Sarah, and a few others originally wrote that. So we've been singing that here first. I love that you took that down to El Salvador and introduced that it was so to them fun. as well. Something really special. But yeah. 
Yeah, shared, shared experience, definitely. Julio, same question to you. I would love to hear from you. Just maybe something that stood out to you on the front end, kind of big picture uh, about the trip to El Salvador. Yeah, so first of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to promote uh, Convoy of Hope. It is a truly amazing organization, and I was so happy to uh, participate on that trip. Um, many years ago, my good friend and mentor, Hans Brewer, said something to me that was uh, very, very uh, significant. And he said, you know, Julio, if you, if you want to find significance, uh, what you need to do is become a part of something that is much bigger than yourself. And for me, you know, this church represents that as well as uh, participating in things like uh, uh, One Day to Feed the World and the Convoy of Hope uh, mission trip. Uh, when, before we left, you know, we, we had to pay for the trip, and my impression was all along that uh, that money would go towards the, you know, plane tickets and transportation, room, board, and that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, if, if you sort of add it all up, that's about all that it would cover. Uh, but with Convoy of Hope, it's a little bit different money goes a whole lot farther. When we got there, we found out that uh, it had actually gone to build a small lunchroom for this very little uh, rural school. Uh, there was still a lot of work to do, and uh, later on we'll see some pictures, but uh, what really surprised me is how easy it was to go on this trip. The reality is that if, if you can get yourself to the parking lot in about 12 or 14 hours, you will be on the mission field doing uh, meaningful, significant, and fun work uh, for people and be Jesus to them. Uh, it's really not that hard. Uh, it is totally safe. And Conway of Hope really knows how to do this. Absolutely anybody can uh, go on a mission trip with uh, Convoy of Hope. Yeah, so one of the things that we talked about, because you've been um, in software engineering for a while, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have this mind of looking at systems and structures, and you said that it really stood out to you just how well organized they were, how well they stewarded the money that, that was coming through there and the gifts that were coming through there, um, to the point where it, it probably just built, it sounded like it built a level of trust and understanding that they were the experts and, and kind of helping you tag along. <laughs> oh, uh, they know how to do this. I mean, it is really, really amazing the favor that they have with the, uh, with the countries, with the people, with the churches, uh, and they absolutely know how to do that. It's, it's, it's truly world-class, you know, Walmart-caliber type, you know, distribution systems. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Follow-up question for both of you. Julio, we'll start with you this time, and then Natalie, you can share. Tell me a little bit about what you experienced in terms of how our church kind of fits in with what Convoy's doing around the world. I, I know for many of us, we, we see these pictures, we see these videos. I had to watch that video that we played 20 times so I wouldn't cry the entire service. I had to get used to it because it's just so emotional. Uh, how does our church fit in with the favor and the organization, the structure that you got to see firsthand in El Salvador? Yeah, so what we did in El Salvador, you know, I mentioned the, the lunchroom, it, it wasn't finished. And so uh, I was primarily involved with the construction, construction aspect of it, uh, you know, mixing concrete, digging holes, pushing wheelbarrows. That's about all they would trust me with. And uh, we, we finished it. You know, it was a whole lot of work, and, and we finished it. And 
we were not expecting that the money that we used would go that far. Uh, I, I think we, we have a picture of, of, the, uh, of the work. The, the man that, we, that was sort of the, the, the foreman, uh, his name was uh, Jorge. And as you can tell, the, uh, the construction standards in El Salvador are just a little bit different. Yeah, that is, that is not OSHA certified right there, Julio. That, the longer I look at that, the more precarious it becomes, actually. <laughs> and, but, you know, I mean, he's, he's up there. What you see there is a, is a, is a welding, you know, transformer, and he's, and he's welding up there. And, <laughs> Anyway, I won't tell you anymore because uh, I, I want you to go. I thought you said this. Was, yeah. <laughs> so, you didn't hang from the rafters. Uh, Maybe that's for another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> for insurance reasons, I'd rather not answer that question. <laughs> so, uh, but the plaque that you see on the right, uh, you can't make it out, but it, it says, you know, it thanks the Vineyard for Collins of the Rockies, you, for... Uh, making that possible. Before that lunchroom was there, uh, the kids would either eat on the ground in their uh, classrooms where they had been all day already or, you know, under a tree on a sidewalk. And it's really, really hot. This lunchroom is open, beautiful tables. Uh, it, it was just extremely well done. We probably added about 20% to the total footprint of the school in terms of finished area. Uh, the other thing that was really significant and it, it speaks to the impact that Convoy has on the communities where they operate. Uh, we didn't know this, but the last day uh, we, we finished the work and Jorge, who you see perched up there, uh, he wasn't there. Uh, one, of our, one of our hosts, uh, Convoy of Hosts, told us that uh, because and he, she just had found this out, because of our help to him personally, uh, he was able to finish the job sooner, get a different job, and because of our help, a little bit of background, he had just moved his family from somewhere else onto this area. And all he could afford was a small plot of land and four walls. His family, uh, excuse me, uh, they didn't have a roof. And us helping him enabled him to put a roof over his family's heads, literally, okay? And um, we didn't know this. And, the, you know, what I guess I'm trying to communicate is that what we do uh, is not just at all actually give them money. Convoy of Hope actually enables these communities and these families to be self-sustaining, self-sufficient, and uh, to, you know, provide for the families themselves. And, and that is a value that they have, which a lot of organizations don't do that. You know, you, we don't help by just giving them money. We help by teaching them how to fish. So, Yeah, I, I, I <clears throat> fell in love with that part of the story. When I heard, when I saw these pictures coming back and started hearing stories. And then, you know, the story, I think, as, as Kirk Noonan and Brian McLeish shared last week, the story behind the story is so powerful. A Convoy of Hope, uh, we set out to partner with them to build this dining room table. But what we didn't know is that we hired Jorge, or you guys hired Jorge to, to be kind of the expert on the construction site. 
But by hiring him, we, he earned enough money to literally put a roof over his own head and his family's head where there wasn't one um, before that. And this is the beauty of working with Convoy is they're not trying to make uh, a, you know, Fort Collins Church of the Rockies the hero in El Salvador. They're trying to make the leaders of El Salvador the heroes of El Salvador. And I love that so much. They're empowering people to provide for their families, to care for one another. And then as you rise the tide of, of the entire city, right, a rising tide lifts all boats. And so you empower Jorge, you empower other families. And then all of a sudden, the well-being of everybody in that community is, is a few steps ahead of, of, of the curve. And I, I, love, I love that part of that story. So thank you so much for sharing that, Julio. Natalie, what about you? How do you see the connection of our church playing out kind of in El Salvador and through Convoy? Of hope. Yeah. Uh, put, if you put up that next slide, there's three pictures here that kind of demonstrate three large avenues of convoys, like our support pouring into what convoys is doing. Um, they've got they've got the feeding program, but they also have the women's empowerment program and an agricultural program that's that's been fairly developed now in El Salvador. Um, and all of these are working together to really bless and build up communities to really be self-sustaining. Um, we, uh, we had a team helping in the cafeteria and seeing some of the food that was supplemented um, to help, help with the malnourishment that is very prevalent. Um, so Convoy, well, I guess, let me say this. So the government in El Salvador will be able to provide enough for kids to have only 200 calories a day at school. So I'm like picturing myself sending like my kids to school bread, right? with I mean, that and, and thinking, well, they're not going to pay attention. Like they're not going to be able to be present and they're going to be hungry. And they're, you know, there's, there's just this uncomfort, uncomfortability that comes with that. And so that, that alone, seeing that and then seeing Convoy, the way that Convoy supplements food and is equipping people in the community to really build up that food system was incredible um, to see that. Uh, I also want to share it. So Carmen is in the Women's Empowerment Program. Um, and this lady that's up here in the middle, um, and she... She is thriving, you guys. This lady went through their business program and got well-equipped to run her own business in the midst of a community of other women wanting to do the same thing. Um, they didn't know that that was a possibility for them. Uh, they were given hope in the midst of that by actually like giving this opportunity to learn and to grow and to do their own business. So what Carmen does is she actually, her business is raising chickens and she actually butchers them herself and distributes them and sells them in her community so that her community can have protein um, and have a balanced nutrition. Like that's pretty impactful. Um, and tell us a little bit about even the journey she's been on. So you mentioned yeah. she went through some some schooling through she Convoy, to, yep, she and they gave her seed money. But mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the trajectory yeah. of her. So business. the seed money was, I think, one hundred twenty-five dollars is what she received to start her business. She was able to buy uh, twenty-five chickens and in a coop, like to hold those chickens. And since the beginning, which was only I think about a year ago. When she started, um, she has 75 chickens, um, and her goal is to get to 150 chickens to be able to sell that and start to distribute uh, 
so that people can have protein in, in the schools uh, for her neighbors so that they don't have to travel all the way into another city. Um, transportation is challenging. And um, in the midst of that, like she is equipping other women and encouraging other women to really thrive and take that on. And it's not only that, it's inspiring the kids. It's, I mean, it's a trickle effect. Yeah, so. I, I love just hearing again the story behind the story, the ripple effect of $125. Uh, this, is, this is one of the things that I would want to communicate to you this morning as we're preparing to gather our offering. There's no gift that's too small. There's no gift that doesn't count, right? You're talking $125 not only changed this woman's life, but it changed her family's life. And now it's impacting the city and the community that she's living in. So there is no gift that's too small. Every dollar can make a significant difference because as both of you have shared, there's, there's just a, a ripple effect. There's a way that we can leverage the American dollar in El Salvador that goes well beyond what, what maybe we would think or imagine. That's, that's awesome. I love, uh, it's just such a beautiful picture too. I just, she seems so full of joy. Um, so final question, uh, Natalie, I would, I would love to hear maybe something along the lines of how this trip uh, not only impacted you while you were there, but something that was a takeaway from that trip that, that can impact your daily life that maybe could apply to all of us in this room this morning? Well, I mean, the trip was life-changing, absolutely. Um, and I think that this one day to feed the world thing, that's like where impact happens. When we give, like I, I was able to see firsthand where that's going. Like the money is being stewarded in incredible ways. It's feeding kids and they're not hungry anymore. They're joyful. They're engaged in their classwork and they're being able to participate in their communities. There's women who are building programs to be able to feed their kids and connect their families and really grow their families well to give them hope. Um, the agriculture program is, is thriving and, and learning how to have long-term sustainability. Um, and that's, that's a huge impact. Um, Thinking about, like, as I was on my way to El Salvador, I actually, I was starting to read the book Disruptive Compassion. Um, Kirk Noonan talked about that last week. Um, and Hal Donaldson and him wrote the book. Hal is the, the founder of Convoy. And there's this quote. If you, could you put that one up on the screen, too? Let's see. So what Convoy is doing, I feel like this really depicts their heartbeat. Uh, it's seeing other people's needs as an opportunity to do something kind. When I read that, I was like, God, we make it so complicated. We make life really complicated. And we think, oh, that problem's so overwhelming. There's nothing I can do. Like, that's overwhelming. But instead, seeing, seeing other people's needs as something that you can, like, actually, that's an opportunity. We think of that as, a, as like, a burden or, like, overwhelming and impossible. And so going on this trip and, like, putting that to practice and, and thinking about that, like that's something that's happening abroad. Like partnering with Convoy is seeing the need and as an opportunity. I think we can also do that here in our city. We can, we can live missionally with our families, with our neighbors, with our community. And it all, I mean, it, that just, it's just simplifies it a little bit. Like, oh no, I actually can do something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's possible. Um, yeah. I think that's really great. I think so often, just to tag on with something that you said, so often we see these needs and we label them as problems instead of opportunities. 
And so I do, I love that quote because it, it helps us see the world with a Christian worldview, right? Christ doesn't look uh, at us and look at our needs and twiddle his thumbs thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Christ thinks, oh, here's an opportunity where I, I can again show the love of my son, where I can again show the power of salvation, where I can again love generously and impact the lives uh, of everyone. So thank you guys so much for sharing. Let's give them a round of, a, of applause. And I just want to hop, hop down. And... This is a first fruit of many, many trips I, I plan on uh, organizing and, and taking. Could you grab this too, hon? organizing and, and taking. And so, you, you know, like Julio said, if you can show up to the church parking lot on time, then you can catch your flight on your trip uh, with Convoy of Hope and, and have your heart encounter everything that they're doing abroad. And so stay tuned for future opportunities. Uh, we don't have any other trips on the calendar in 2019, but 2020, we'll definitely be talking about uh, continuing our partnership with them in a dynamic, dynamic way. So one of the things that I want to close with here is just kind of the, the question of where we can go from here. And, and so I, I really want to answer that by reading some scripture from probably my favorite passage on giving. My favorite passage on giving, it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Basically what's happening is Paul, who had his hand in planting churches all over the world, he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and he's essentially encouraging them to give yet again. And so this is the text that I want to read you. Um, As a competitive person myself, you'll realize very quickly why this became one of my favorite passages on giving. This is what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers, for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Verse 8, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. As somebody who grew up in a competitive family, in a competitive environment, when I became a Christian, they tried to take the competition out of me. And then I found this text where Paul is basically saying, hey, church in Corinth, these cats over in Macedonia, they're out giving you. And I'm going to test you. I'm going to test your earnest compassion by how you give in response to this. See, Paul was gathering offerings for the church in Jerusalem from all these churches that he had a hand in planting. The church in Jerusalem, they were in need. 
And, and so he was beginning to take an offering from all, all of these different churches, and he was actually pinning churches against themselves, seeing who could be the most generous. Now, I haven't found a church that wants to compete with us yet. I'm asking around, actually. Um, yeah, no one's, yeah, it's okay. You can laugh at me. <clears throat> um, I just can't help myself. And Paul didn't actually care. He didn't care about the demographic differences, right? Like the church in Corinth was well off. They were a very affluent church. They had great speakers. They had great faith. They were maybe more spiritually mature than some of the other churches that he had engaged in. But he just draws a line. He just doesn't care. This church, they're begging actually to give again. They want the privilege of joining in this ministry. And so although we haven't found another church I do want to encourage us this morning to compete with ourselves. So we could maybe draw the comparison to Vineyard Church of the Rockies from a year ago and see if we can outgive our church from a year ago. We ran the numbers this week. I found out that last year we wrote a check for $33,000 to Convoy of Hope's feeding program. Isn't that amazing? $33,000, that's something absolutely worth celebrating. But if I can channel my inner Paul a little bit this morning, I want to test us to see if we can outgive ourselves from last year. And that's where we came up with the $50,000 goal that we're hoping and we're aiming to collectively gather $50,000 so that we can outgive ourselves from last year by $17,000 and give an even bigger gift. That will mean that almost 5,000 children are fed all around the world through Convoy of Hope. That's amazing, that it would be an amazing gift to be a part of. So let me look back at this text just one more time, really, really quickly. I'm just going to run through some of these verses as we pull out what they might mean for us as we prepare to take our own offering. Verse three, Paul says, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Verse four, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Verse five, they did even more than we had hoped. Verse six, finished the ministry of giving. I love this verse because so often in the church, we elevate positional authority. If you're singing a song, you have a ministry. If you're leading a small group, you have a ministry. If you're serving in kids ministry, you have a ministry. But Paul is saying, if you are generous, you have a ministry. If God has equipped you to earn and to be generous, you have the ministry of giving. And he said, it's a beautiful ministry. Verse seven, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. And verse eight, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. Vineyard Church of the Rockies, we were eager last year and we gave a substantial gift, a gift worth celebrating. But can we challenge ourselves to outgive ourselves from last year? Can we challenge ourselves to give a little bit more, to impact a few more lives? Can we present convoy of hope who, who is functioning, if we draw a direct parallel, very much like Titus in this text. They trusted the offering that Corinth took to Titus to take it back to the people in need. And you and I, we can trust Convoy of Hope to take our offering and give it to those in need around the world. 
Let us all challenge ourselves. You know, this text has, has quickly become a favorite in my own family. My wife and I, we try to give, outgive ourselves every year. And we haven't been able to do it every year. There are some years, you know, there are seasons where different things kind of happen and you can't quite outgive yourself from the previous year. But I can tell you in the last eight years, as we've committed to doing this, Natalie and I have been able to outgive ourselves six out of the late eight, last eight years. And, and I hope that that could increase every Every eight years, we could have another six because that would mean over the lifespan, we would be able to be generous and plant seeds that impact the world all over. We wanna invite you to do the same. We wanna invite you to do the same. Verse 12, as I wrap up, Paul says this, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. You know, there's no like mark that you have to hit to make a difference. I mentioned last week our goal is 50,000, but I, I mentioned that a secondary goal I have is just churchwide participation. That you would see every dollar that you have as an opportunity. That even one dollar can make a difference. It makes a difference in the kingdom and it makes a difference in your heart as God sharpens your heart and transform you, transforms you into the image of who, who Jesus has created you to be. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna move into our time of reflection here very shortly. And I would encourage you to do a couple of things. I would encourage you to pray about how you can give. You know, there are some of us in this room that, that can't quite give a full day's wage. There are others of us in this room that could give two or three days worth of wages. And I just, as we move into a time of prayer, I, I actually want to invite you to ask God what you should give. And I realize this is a big ask, but I will be unashamedly asking you time and time again, because I, I realize this, we're asking you to give a special offering even beyond what you normally give to our church. But I believe 100% of my heart that it's worth it. And that convoy will take our dollars and they'll make a difference around the world.